Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. We are still in COVID lockdown, and so we're not able to fly out to Phoenix, Arizona for our weekly show. So we, uh, we appreciate your patience while we are putting together our team all across the United States. We have the Olympics being represented today. And Andrea, how are you doing? I am hunky-dory, and uh, we've got an exciting show for everybody, so it's going to take their worries away thinking about people who do great things and achieve no matter what obstacles, so COVID's going to seem like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it must feel a little different to you not flying out to L.A. and then over to Phoenix. <laughs> well, I'm used to being on the road, so being at home for uh, three weeks. Uh, as of yesterday, I've been home uh, a, a complete three weeks, and uh, this is starting my fourth week home, and that's a rarity around this world. So, um, but everybody seems to still like me and want me here, so things are going well. <laughs> well, then you are pretty lucky because I have been ousted out of my house. Uh, no one wants me around anymore. They say I'm smiling too much, and the positivities kind of make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> well, come on over. We'd love to have you. We've been having a lot of fun. I live on a farm. Uh, the horses are coming back today. My daughter has horses, and they're normally at her house. They're coming back over, so we have 50 acres that you can run around and play on and have all the social distancing you want. <laughs> well, the one thing I've noticed with COVID is that you don't know what day it is because every day is a work day to find money for those of you in the event world or that have been affected by uh, your income or, or, your, uh, or your job. So that's been kind of interesting. Um, very long days, and I think we're doing more events virtually than we could ever have done uh, <laughs> the way we were doing it before of hopping on planes. So what events did you go to virtually? Oh, uh, uh, what was I on? The, uh, the Next Edge Summit, uh, I was on that uh, the, the week before. The Purpose Driven Summit, uh, Secret Knock uh, Summit was uh, just a week ago, and there's another one coming up. Oh, what? oh I was at Canna World Expo, attended that. Oh, what else did I go to? Yeah, just lots of really how cool was, How was that one? So, we, had, we had them on last week. How was that, how was that event? Uh, you know what? That is phenomenal. They have some really great speakers from all over the world, great information uh, addressing what healthcare all over the world from all different levels. Um, you know, basically uh, just uh, solidification about what we didn't know about uh, cannabis and cannabinoids and um, how, you know, how to protect yourself, how to get great products and so forth, how to make good educated decisions towards people's health care. So it was pretty awesome. Cool. Any other nugget? Um, 
you know, just um, for people to be smart and and uh, to really think about the products that they're purchasing and where they're purchasing them at, and uh, making sure that they take them in such a way because just like with anything that you take um, over the counter, or whatever you want to make smart decisions, and so it's just giving people an opportunity to explore different avenues for their own health and wellness, and and for their children as well uh, because there's um, so many uh, CBD oils without THC. So it was pretty awesome. All right, so we uh, we have just a little public service announcement, and then we're going to get right into our show. We have a really, really big show, three guests, Olympians um, represent our country, winners, definitely people that overcome adversity. But uh, the first of all, I, I went out and got a mask, um, and I put a smile on it, so people can see my smile even outside of the mask. Um, and it mimics my, my uh, smile perfectly. I just made my teeth a little bare. And... <clears throat> And then the other thing, I got uh, some information. When you're going to shop for food, if there is an aisle full, well, just kind of busy, just wait until that aisle is uh, empty to get your food because this is an airborne virus. And uh, even though you may have a mask or they may have a mask, it's, it's stuff that's getting on you that you may touch. And when you bring your groceries home... Uh, make sure you have a, an area on your counter to wipe them all down before you put them away because they may uh, be carrying viruses and we don't want anyone to get sick. So um, we want to get ahead of this and get a plateau going. And we do not want to amplify COVID. This is the one thing we don't want to amplify because it's not goodness. <laughs> That's right. We want to make sure that we um, are telling everybody to be safe and to be smart so that there's plenty of us around to create smiles <clears throat> all over the world. So Stay home and get online. <laughs> well, it certainly, was a, it, it certainly was an awakening last week because I um, knew people that knew people that are affected by the COVID. So that was kind of a different, um, I guess, frequency hit for me. So we're going to get right to our show. And if you'd please bring on our first guest and also give a shout out to our sponsors, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, they are the Umbrella Syndicate. Big Events USA, the Red Carpet Connection, the Keep Smiling Movement, and the Umbrella Syndicate. And our first guest today about uh, helping Olympian dreams come true in your life is Sherry Wynn. She is a two-time Olympian, National Basketball Coach of the Year, and Amazon three-time best-selling author. She's an in-demand, internationally renowned speaker who travels frequently uh, for up and speaks to up to 14,000 people at a time, including companies such as StubHub, Anytime Fitness, New York Life, Edward Jones, and Technicolor. She's known as a leader of leaders and a visionary of visionaries who has written five books, including her forthcoming and much-anticipated book, Winning Leadership, Seven Secrets for Employee Champions and Sales Superstars. Uh, CEOs rave about Sherry's ability to weave practical steps with life-changing messages throughout a humorous presentation. She always makes me smile, which keeps leaders and team members on the edge of their seats. And she is practicing social distancing. She lives out in the middle of nowhere in a gorgeous, beautiful setting. So, Sherry Wynn, welcome to the show. Woohoo! Yay, thank you. Wow, that was, uh, when you listen to somebody else talk about you, sometimes you're like, oh, crap, was that really me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's you. So Andrea (laughs) told me that you and and the other guests are going to possibly be doing Keep Smiling books to inspire others about what you've overcome, and certainly how lucky are you to have one of the best last names ever. Did you ever consider changing the last N to an S 
<laughs> no, I love it, though, because you can say winning, right? Spelled exactly correctly as it should be. And uh, I was lucky to yep. be born with that name. You're absolutely right. It served me well. And then, I mean, Leo, Amico, I mean, that's friend. I mean, we got the best names ever for this show. That's for sure. So let's go ahead and uh, proceed with your story. Um, obviously, you came uh, into the world uh, mommy birthed you and you were already ready to be an Olympian. So how did that occur? <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of true. Um, on my birth announcement, it said announcing a new member to the win starting lineup, right? And it nice. said, you know, your weight, your height, and then position, they actually put the word star. So before I was even born, wow. they, had, they had created what they wanted um, in terms of being an athlete, and, and that kind of had to, like, I didn't have a choice. They'd already made the decision. So I jumped right in at that point and never looked back. But um, it's been well, a great journey. I certainly fraught with both, you know, failures and, and achievements, and that is part of the process of life. So we're going to talk about that in a little more depth, but uh, I wanted to comment that people that are born with the last name that has um, an English meaning to something that could be done in their life typically follows suit. It's a very high propensity of people that say, hey, if my last name is Carpenter, I have to at least look at the craft, you know, so pretty cool there. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, I, I know you had some adversity for people that are going through, uh, I guess, either depression or challenges, financial or otherwise. Um, can you kind of put things in perspective of what you had to overcome to be who you are? And then we're going to talk uh, about perhaps one of the five books you've done. Absolutely. The, you know, there's been a lot of challenges in my life, and I think that's true of most people that, you know, we're, we're, we know that this is what life is like. They're full of challenges, and part of, the, um, part of our journey here is to learn how to, to get the right tools to overcome those. But, but the biggest challenge I had was not, was not being a two-time Olympian. The biggest challenge I ever had was um, overcoming chronic pain, which... Uh, happened when I was 35, still kind of in the prime of, you know, your physicality of a, of a human being. I could still run and lift weights and play ball and all that stuff at age 35. And then all of a sudden I couldn't sit, stand, or walk. I mean, I couldn't um, walk on enough to buy groceries at the grocery store, nor could I sit long enough to watch a movie in a theater. Um, so the only place I got relief was laying down, which is pretty hard to do. If you imagine my greatest joy in life was being physical. There was no more joy that I had than, you know, like feeling sweat roll down my back or cross my eyebrows. That was just my joy. And, um, I, you know, I went to 17 different medical professionals and nobody had a clue of what was going on. And so I spent two years in that kind of uh, intense pain that if you rank it from a one to 10, it was 10 being the highest, I would say I was living at a nine or 10 every day. And certainly at that point of pain, there's, there is this idea that, you can't continue to live at that level. Something had to shift. You know, that was, you know, either I need to quit being, like I need to stop this somehow, or I need to figure a way out. So it was two years of living that intense pain and probably another, you know, five to seven where um, as I was working on getting better, there was still days um, out of every week where that pain still ratcheted up to that number. So that level of, of pain you know, there's two things. I mean, one is you start really doubting who you are. You start questioning, why did this happen to me? The second thing that happened was delving deeper into, okay, how do I get better? And what, you know, what created this at this level? 
and how do I need, what do I need to search for? So while it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, I can honestly say it was also the best thing that ever happened to me because those are the moments that great change can take place. So in the highest moments of uncertainty are also the highest moments where the greatest change in your life can take place. So I had to delve deeper into personal development, deeper into the ideas of forgiveness, deeper into ideas of gratitude of seeing what was good in the world to overcome um, this level of pain. It took about 10 years to get back to being what I call somewhat normal, somewhat normal living space. So I'd say that was a pretty big challenge. And now you, you've like walked all over, did all these great hiking. What's, what's the mileage and stuff that you've put in? I remember uh, somebody else was telling me how amazing you had done with that. Well, I had done, so let's go to my next challenge of my life. So I was, I was doing pretty good physically, and then recently um, I was diagnosed with an auto, autoimmune disorder. Um, and uh, so I haven't been able to walk more than about three-quarters of a mile for the last couple of years. And so it's a new challenge. And once again, there's this idea of what do you do with your life now? And you can either choose to succumb to your new normal, or you can find a way out of the new normal. And what is it that I could greatly appreciate? And how can I still find a way to love where I'm at and love who I am? So that was my next biggest challenge. This is this new diagnosis, which has been, you know, again, another challenge, but because that I've overcome, you know, the past chronic pain, I certainly believe that there is great new learning ahead of me and great new opportunity that exists in front of me. So one of the things that, um, you know, in talking with you that I'm imagining that you're using is using your own win philosophy uh, towards your own future and your own health. So I wondered if you'd go over that with people because I absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. That's so nice of you to ask. So, so um, I wrote a book called Unleash the Winner Within You, a success game plan for business leadership and life. And inside the book is called um, The Win, W-I-N, Philosophy. W stands for a widen the separator gap. And what that means is that most people just live, you know, in the givens. They, they do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it, and they want extraordinary results. Well, if you want extraordinary results, you have to be different, unique. You have to strive for something that no, nobody else wants to do or is willing to do. So when you stand in that place and you look for the opportunity inside of all the things that other people might fall down on, or you're saying, you know, if you do this, I'll do this differently or more unique. It doesn't have to be exactly harder, right? Just have to be a little bit better somehow. So W is widen the separator gap and looking for the opportunity. I is identify I am as your power words. So the two most powerful words in the universe are the words I am, because whatever you say for those words become your truth. And that's the internal language that we use. It's the internal language that we're not aware of. It's the words that we're constantly um, putting in our minds, which is, you know, when we're, our thoughts are about 80% negative, and most people don't even realize the words that they're saying to themselves daily. And so when you realize that you're saying, you know, things like, I'm not good enough, well, and then you want to get a new job, but you don't believe that you deserve it, there's no possible way of ever getting there. And finally, N is navigate success. You know what that means is the ability to move to, well, number one, take responsibility for who you are and where you are in life, to not blame others. So when you step into responsibility, you truly have power because only from that position does power truly come to you. 
in any other space where you're, where you're placing blame or, blame or being a victim, you lose all power and all hope. So, you know, as I've navigated um, the different challenges in my life, I mean, starting from, you know, the Olympic Games and, and, and reaching the epics of the Olympics to, you know, my new, my new challenges of, you know, first chronic pain, um, and then, of course, a new challenge of being, uh, uh, being a, a basketball coach, collegiate basketball coach for 23 years. And then, you know, the, the next challenge of being a speaker and a writer. And then the challenge added to that of the, the new autoimmune disease. You know, it, you have to, at some place, instead of sitting around being angry, you have to find the good in life. And once you can find the good in life, you'll find there's always something else to attach yourself to. There's always new opportunity. There's always something to smile about. There's always some place to laugh. And when you're looking and leaning that direction, life is good. Well, well it definitely is. Of, we, uh... Go ahead, Andre. Ken, it's your show. On, uh, go ahead, please. Anytime no, I hear no, you, I instantly shut up so you can. Oh, all right. Well, then, uh, you know, Sherry, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about you is when we're together, we laugh a lot. And corporations <laughs> love that about you is that you have this humorous style. So go ahead and uh, share with us, you know, what, what is it about your humor and your presentations that people just fall in love with you? Well, I'm a storyteller, and so the biggest thing about knowing when you're on stage is, is the moments of the break when people need to laugh because laughing is so important. That smile, being able to, you know, connect with that. So on stage, what I do is, is simply find a story. And in the story, I find moments where the story's intense, where the story's passionate, where the story's bringing an impactful message to break that with a sense of humor. And once you can bring something in a story that's funny and everybody laughs about it, then they can laugh at themselves in those moments when life seems to be so tough. And that's really what the key is, is find those moments that people can laugh at themselves while you're laughing at you, right? It's, it's just, you're just reflecting on stage something that they need to think about. And when they can get to that moment of laughter, it breaks everything into a learnable lesson. So what sport do you And then I just play? wanted to wrap... Okay, Ken. Um, I think Ken was starting to ask you about uh, team handball and how that came about, because not a lot of people know about it and how you guys ended up representing mm-hmm. the USA twice. Well, team handball is a sport like, it's like, it's not like racquetball, so you have to get that out of your mind. So it's not two people in a little box with a glove. Team handball is like soccer using the hands or water polo on land. It's basically a European sport that the United States has never fully adopted. And, um, and I was playing basketball at uh, Texas A&M University, and things just weren't working out. And, you know, looking backwards, that was mostly me. Um, I could blame everybody else at that point, but I'll take full responsibility of who I was at that time in life. And so I started looking for other opportunities to do things. And so people said to me, you know, you should play this sport. It's really cool. And the thing about it was, as I said, you get to hit people. I'm like, what? You get to hit people? How fun is that? And I don't mean punch people, but part of the sport is you get to, like, body <laughs> well, block down. smiling. We just hit people. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time of my life, that was like perfect. Like I could take out my anger on everybody, right? How cold is this? And not get penalized. Um, so uh, I played with a club te- with the club team, and they were going to go to New York City to play in the national tournament. And I had never at that time traveled to New York City. And I said, absolutely, I would love to go. Are you crazy? This is great. I would love to go. And when I was playing in New York City, and I literally did not know what I was doing. I mean, I just started playing the sport, but I was hitting people pretty hard and having fun with that. Um, 
so, you know, as part of your defense, it would be like, uh, you know, a body check, you know, like you're playing uh, water polo, you get to check people, or an ice hockey, you get to check people. That's totally legal. And, um, you know, I was athletic enough to get the attention from the national team coach, who simply said, you want to move to New Jersey and start training with a national team? And I did. And so I, you know, I, I was three years before the Olympics. It was 1981, and I was in a brand-new sport. And, you know, learned how to play the sport in time for the 84 games. And, you know, we were, we were, we did not win a medal, but we were one goal away, just one goal away from actually winning a medal. So we were that close with a group of people who didn't grow up playing the sport. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us today. For those of you who want to learn more about her, www.thewinningleadershipcompany.com. Thewinningleadershipcompany.com. And Sherry, stay on the line with us. We'll have you on the end for rapid fire. And next we want to introduce our second Olympian, and this is Leah O'Brien Amico. She is a softball legend. She's a three-time Olympic gold medal winner, a three-time NFCA first-time All-American, and a three-time WCWS national champion in college. She's considered one of the top women softball players of the last 25 years, and she's been inducted into the National Softball Hall of Fame and the Athletes in Action Hall of Fame and the University of Arizona Hall of Fame. And she travels, well, she used to, and hopefully she will again soon, travel the country teaching and speaking and preaching, telling her story of faith, hope, love, and softball. She's also a broadcaster. She has worked for ESPN and Westwood One in the coverage of college softball. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. So, Leah, with the Olympics being canceled this year, how does that affect you? Uh, well, I was in discussions with Westwood One. I do um, the Women's College World Series finals every year with Westwood One Radio. It's online. It's on radio stations across the country. And I was in discussions with them about calling the games for Tokyo. We, they, we talked about potentially doing it from New York, from studio. Um, they were still finalizing the details and said, okay, we're really close with NBC. Recently, it had taken a little longer to get the contract issues settled. <laughs> But that was happening just as everything came about and as the word got um, shared that, that the Olympics were actually going to be delayed. So I guess for now that means, you know, all my eyes were on the, all the softball girls that were finally going to get to play in the Olympic Games again because softball has been out of the last two Olympics. But, um, you know, also the opportunity to be able to call those games. And so now it just means that we'll do it a year later. And how are we looking for uh, medals in softball? We're looking good. So. I have three Olympic gold medals with USA Softball. I played in the first, second, and third Olympic games that softball was ever in. Softball went to one more Olympics where half of my teammates were still on the team, and they ended up taking silver to Japan. So Japan came in, and they, they kind of were the reigning world champions for a few years. Well, just this past summer, there was another uh, world championship, and USA finally came on top. It's been a battle every single time, but the interesting thing is, that they will be playing in Japan on their soil. So that's where it's going to come down to, okay, who can rise to the top. So, you know, definitely still one of the best in the entire world. Right now we have the number one spot, but we know it's going to be a battle. Gotcha. Um, You know, Andrea had come up with this idea, you know, whenever you have a problem, there's an opportunity disguised in there if you look for the challenge and you overcome it. So she came up with this idea. We have 100 Keep Smiling books, and... We have really extraordinary authors who have overcome some really amazing things and created 
something that perhaps someone would have said they were crazy that they would never work. Uh, for instance, Frank Shankwitz, he created Make-A-Wish Foundation, and anyone that heard him at his original idea and table wouldn't have known that it would turn into 500,000 wishes. And we have a lot of people at that level. And the idea she came up with was since the Olympics can't happen uh, until next year because they're delayed, why not create an inspirational story of, you know, 50 or 100 of the Olympians that we're going to be going and share their stories so we get more fans to learn about them and get more um, engaged with supporting them next year. Because I think a lot of people don't know the people that are maybe second and third or fourth on the team, and this is an opportunity for everyone to get that that deserved uh, cheering on. So what do you think of that idea? Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think it's it's very true. I mean, you have, you know, obviously the superstars in different sports that rise up that everybody knows and hears about and all the interviews are based around, you know, even on each team generally, especially if they're a top team. I know for us, we always had kind of our, you know, spotlight player and kind of leader that everybody looked to in the sense of, you know, media terms. And so, um, you know, it was it was neat to see throughout our team different athletes did have different opportunities, different experiences. I love sharing that story wherever I go because I was on three teams. There's only four of us that have three Olympic gold medals uh, for softball in the world. And so, you know, I, but I also wasn't the big name player. I played different roles on each team. And so I love sharing that story with, with, you know, students today with people of all ages, because the idea is it doesn't matter if you're not necessarily the one that everybody's looking at, like you can still achieve greatness. And, you know, I was in 2000 Olympics. I was chosen as one of eight athletes in the entire Olympic family to be on the back of uh, a cereal box with golden or with, um, with Kellogg's and it was called golden Crispix. And so, you know, my sister could go into a store and buy a cereal box. Well, most of them didn't know who I was, you know, but what you're saying is exactly true. There's so many people with different stories that other people can relate to and say, Hey, if they can achieve this greatness, I can too. Well, this actually doesn't take that long for the book to come about from a standpoint of each person contributing their, their piece, which would be something that, they overcame like just a 200 word, 250 words of what they had to overcome that kind of puts people in the mindset of, Hey, this is just another challenge in life and getting the right mindset. You know, there's, there's three like mindsets you can have when this is happening. One mindset is that it's gloom and doom and the, you know, the world's over and you actually cause that to be your, your reality. And then the other one is just kind of muddle through it more in an apathetic way. And, um, just not acknowledge necessarily the fear, but you also don't thrive. And then the third one is to look at this as an opportunity to create and do really big things with your life. And so I, I think Andrea's idea of having 50 to 100 Olympians get a photo either with their iPhone 11, which would be the quality of the camera, or maybe they know a, a photographer since they're playing at that level, a sports photographer, they could just get a quick picture keep the social distancing, send us the photo of them holding the smiling card. And we create something that just would not have been even conceivable if COVID wasn't here. In other words, if COVID wasn't here, everyone's on their minds are in the Olympics and there's no way the inspirational stories would be coming out. But this would be our first key smiling book where instead of it being all photos, it would be one photo and then one page saying, you know, something inspirational that they overcame in life and give people like that, that dose of anything's possible. And, and and with that yeah, said, I've... with that said, how how what is it like to actually be going to the trials and and making it? I mean, I, I can't imagine. 
the mindset has to be like almost perfect for you. You have to have a winning mentality. You have to be completely at ease. Tell me about that. Well, I, I think every sport is different and unique. And so, you know, for me, I come from a team sport with softball. And so for us, it was one particular tryout. But for us, fortunately, they are taking in other aspects. They've watched you the last couple of years. They see how you compete in the big moments and how you respond in the pressure situations. And so they take all of that into effect. Are you a team player? Can you play a role? What is coach wanting to make up his team? That's completely a different situation than a track, you know, trial or swimming trials where it's literally based on time. You get your shot. That's it. You have a bad day and off day. Sorry, you're done. Or, you know, okay, you have this, you know, amazing moment and now you're on the team or, you know, obviously usually it's, it's so interesting. I feel like you look at the Olympic bodies and generally in each sport, especially when you watch the USA and in other countries as well, but if you have the best in the world, they generally are the best. And a lot of times they stay the best. And that to me shows it's way more than talent. It's way more than opportunity. There is absolutely something that's an X factor. I personally believe that has to do with, you know, the mindset. And I do believe that only becomes strengthened when you go through adversity. I believe that most Olympians, most successful people in any field in life, have overcome challenges, and that's actually what's made them stronger than they ever were before they faced those challenges. So would you be our champion in helping us create this book? Do you have enough contacts sure. or names? Do you think if, I mean, our <laughs> I, I have contacts within is, my sport. <laughs> okay. Well, the, I guess the question is, do you have contacts to actually have representation in all sports? And here, here's what I'm basically, not just asking you live, but I'm, 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 I'm going to share something that hopefully makes this question an easier pill to swallow, which is we've gone to people that are super celebrities and had three seconds to say, Hey, you create smiles in the world. We'd like to honor you in a book. Would you, would you allow us to take a picture of you holding the key smiling card? And the answer has been emphatically yes, 100% of the time. So I think with this COVID situation happening, I, I just would like to have a key smiling is for, is for winners. You know, smiling is for winners. And I think people that are, I don't know about this. I'm just guessing, but I think the people that smile the most seem to probably play at a higher level. Win at a higher level. Is that, would you yeah. say it's accurate at all? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have to say, like, you have all different personalities, especially coming from a team. Yes. Of, let me tell you, when you're yeah. on the podium, you smile a whole lot. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> tell you, though, winners, winners do smile. Let me, yes, I will say that for sure. Now, personally, one of the best compliments my coach always gave me, my Olympic coach, who is also my college coach, and he said one of the things when he watched Leah play was that she always had a smile on her face, you know? And I say, well, not when I struck out, but, you know, definitely that was more who I was. I had those teammates that were intense, and you would not get a smile out of them, and so then when we win, now they're smiling. And so I do think, yes, anybody that's competing and loving, really more, I would say, who loves what they do. They are there for a purpose. They have passion and they are out there to make a difference and you're going to get them all smiling. Well, to, uh, I guess not balance this out in a mean way, but uh, I'm a documentary junkie. Did you ever watch the documentary, uh, I the 2017 uh, documentary about Russians mm -hmm. doping? No, I didn't. Well, it's, it's just, it, it, they've been doping for 30 or 40 years. Like they should never have, actually taken one medal home based on this documentary. Like they were just completely cheating and, and moving, you know, the testing around so that they never got caught. It's pretty crazy. So I, I, I love documentaries and I like the truth that they're typically uh, sharing. So I just threw that out there. So our listeners 
know of another documentary to check out. It has nothing to do with the U.S. doing anything bad. We are legitimate, and I am proud about that in our country, is that when, when we post medals, we post them honestly. So that's cool. Uh, Andrea, did you have a question? Um, well, because we're short on time, I'm I'm going to actually uh, jump to uh, Ruben. Um, so, Ken, if you give me the thumbs up on that, we're going to go do that because we've only got 17 minutes I can't, left. I can't give you the <clears> thumbs up where you're going to see it. I'll just say thumbs up or I'll go green light. Oh, green light. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Leah. For those of you who want to know more about Leah, uh, Leah, tell us your website. Yes, it's Leah20.com, L-E-A-H-20.com. Thank Actually, you so I do much want to for joining us. That, I do want to comment that Leah did all those medals with even, without even having a last name, W-I-N or W-I-N-N or even three N's. I mean, she <laughs> did it. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, she, I don't, we, don't know if she, we don't know from her story yet. We'll have to get it later if she was told she'd be a winner or a star when she was born. And our next guest also has uh, really made, uh, made it out to be a star, and that's Ruben Gonzalez. So my question, why would anybody in his right mind want to jump on a sled and hurl himself down an icy mountain at 80 miles per hour or more? And at the age of 21, well, Ruben Gonzalez took up the sport of luge and started training for the Olympics. Four years and a few broken bones later, Ruben made his Olympic dream came true but he didn't stop. He was racing against 20-year-olds in Vancouver Winter Olympics, and he is the first only person to ever compete in four Winter Olympics, each in a different decade. He is still competing at the age of 56. Ruben Gonzalez is one of the most popular speakers in America, and his best-selling book, The Courage to Succeed, has helped countless people achieve their dreams and goals. Get ready to be inspired to go for the gold. I'm proud to present four-time Olympian Ruben Gonzalez, a friend of mine. Yay, Ruben! Hey, Andrea, how you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you, Ruben? So doing great, thanks. Uh, yeah. You, so you've spoken at Secret Knock. I've seen you speak, and you're one of the few Olympians that had no challenges, no adversity. Everything came easy to you. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was, it was so easy. It's downhill, you know, in my sport. You just lay down, somebody pushes you, and you go downhill all the way. Hey, doesn't get any better than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your book because I, I have enjoyed it, and I wanted you to have an opportunity. Uh, Leah, we kind of shuffled around the different themes, but um, why don't you give a, a little highlight of how difficult it was to get the Olympics, since I know that's part of your, your talk. Well, the, you know, the, I guess the toughest part was just believing that, that I could do it. Uh, I saw the... I'm not a great athlete. Um, nothing like, uh, <laughs> like uh, Leah and Sherry. I was always the last kid picked for PE, and um, but but when I was a lot of heart, but no body, kind of like Rudy. And so uh, when I was ten, I saw the Olympics on TV. I got hooked. I caught the dream, but I didn't believe it was possible, so I didn't do anything. You know, you have to believe, and then you have to have desire. I had a lot of desire, but no belief. And it wasn't until I was twenty-one. Um, I'm watching the Sarajevo Olympics on TV, eighty-four games. And I see Scott Hamilton win the gold medal in figure skating. And I thought, man, if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'll be in the next ones no matter what. It's a done deal. I've got to find the sport. <laughs> my nickname in high school was Bulldog because I was very tenacious and perseverant. And so I thought, i got to find a sport with a lot of broken bones, maybe a lot of quitters, and I just won't quit. And I'll uh, ride the attrition rate to the top. <laughs> 
So I took up the sport of luge, and four years and a few broken bones later, I was able to do it. Uh, first two years were physically challenging because uh, they, 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 they said, we're going to have to cram 10 years of luge training to just two years because the last two, you need to be competing in the World Cup circuit to you know, try to qualify. Uh, and I told them, hey, no problem. I've been cramming for tests all my life. <laughs> but um, the second, second two years were tough uh, in a, I guess, in a psychological sense. Because imagine, you know, I, I wasn't a great loser. I was just getting down. Um, and, and here I am in a room filled with Olympic medalists. And I had this crisis of confidence. I thought, man, I don't belong here. This is a joke. And I had to myself. I put on the blinders, forced myself to focus on getting those World Cup points that would help you gain, uh, you know, top, top 50 in the world. And then, you know, you get to go play with the big boys at the Olympics. And so I just put on the blinders and, uh, and, and you know, I ask people, you know, success is simple. It's not easy. It's real hard. It's going to take everything you got, but you got what it takes. But you have to be willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to get the job done. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's tough, but in the process, you start digging deep inside and you start finding your gifts and you start, and it's not, it's not about whether you make that dream come true or not. It's about the person you become because whether you make it or not, now you have these gifts for the rest of your life and, and you just grew. So people that are hearing this, they're saying, well, shoot, I'll never be a loser Olympian. I was the fourth person picked on the uh, PE team. And so the people that were last have the best chance is kind of a way. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess so. so <laughs> well, let me, ask, let me ask you this. So the science question is this. If you're the last person that was picked, what is it that caused you to, because you, you gold medaled, right? No, no, I got, to, I got to play. I was, uh, okay. I, no, I didn't medal. I, I competed in four Winter Olympics in four different decades. Uh, coach okay. says uh, there might be one more in me. And so I, it's funny, in my introduction, I, I, part of my introduction says, you know, I, you know, it doesn't mean he's good, just means he's old, right? <laughs> because I, I want to relate to people. I, my, my goal when I'm speaking to a group, and I don't care if it's a couple of months ago, I was speaking at a Gulfstream for all their salespeople from all over the world. I don't care if I'm speaking to them or, or to a bunch of uh, elementary kids, right? My goal is when I'm done, I want to become their Scott Hamilton. I want them thinking, gosh, if that guy can make it to the Olympics even one time, we can do anything. And if I can open up that possibility in their mind, now they'll start taking, they'll be facing their fears. And it's that fear of failure, fear of hope that holds people back, fear of failure, fear of the unknown. And so um, if I can get them facing that fear, they'll realize that, wow, that was just a smoke screen. I can do this. And, uh, and they start getting different results. So well, the reason I'm asking, I guess I'm asking about the science is because Andrea, I guess, confided in me that she always wanted to be a luge Olympian participant. And I just wanted you to kind of share with her on the air live what she needs to do to have that edge to <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It's because I want to be well, called a um, I want to be the world's biggest. The track leader. has 15 <laughs> or 16 curves, and they, they don't put okay. you at the top at the beginning, okay? That would be murder. They put you on curve 10 or so. You're going 20 miles an hour, and you crash, 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 and then you figure it out. And as soon as you figure it out, 
Coach moves you up a couple of curves. Now you're going 30. Oh, my gosh, 30 miles an hour. There's no time to think. Crash, crash, crash. Move you up. You literally crash your way to the top. So you have to be okay with failure. You have to be okay. And that's in any, in any field. You know, whoever makes the most mistakes fast, you know, they're going to learn fast. And uh, as long as they're smart enough not to keep doing the same mistakes, uh, they're going to move past the people that are afraid to go for it, to push the envelope. And what is the fastest speed? And, and people, I'm sorry? What is the fastest speed? You were saying 20, then 30. What is the fastest? It's like 90, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 90, 95. depends on the track. Most tracks are in the mid-70s. Uh, when we went to Vancouver, to the, the track up in Whistler, um, the, the first thing they told us was, Oh, by the way, and, you know, when somebody by the way is you, you got to brace yourself because the next thing's not good. <laughs> they said, by the way, uh, the, uh, the engineers messed up. Uh, it's uh, 95 miles an hour. So what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? No, you just adjust and, and you figure it out, you know. You're not going to quit. You just got to go do what you got to do. And so, um, you know, we're, we're going through all this change now with COVID. I mean, probably going through more change faster than ever. And uh, I, I believe that when conditions change, whoever adapts first wins, right? This is a blank slate for everybody. This is an opportunity, right? Yeah, as long as you're willing to take advantage of change, right? And um, uh, gosh, I, I, this is causing, just yesterday I did um, uh, an online, it wasn't Zoom, but it was another similar uh, online talk for, for a big group of people, about 400 people, and, um, and, and we're learning the, this technology, and we're learning how to partner up with other people that might be interested uh, in working together, and uh, gosh, this is going to be a whole new stream of income once it's, once it's over. So we're, it's, it's yeah. making us do things we weren't doing before. It's making us better. Well, I know that we're going to go rapid fire soon. Andre, do we have any more time for another question from you? Okay, so we're going to go to rapid fire then. That gives us enough time to ask a lot of questions to each of you. And we will start in the order that we actually brought you in. So, Sherry, you'll be the first uh, person to answer, then Leah, and then Ruben. So, I'm um, going to keep it a little bit Olympic-themed. So, what is a favorite sports movie that uh, gets you inspired and gets you in the mindset of uh, being triumphant? It's a super short answer. And, Sherry, if you repeat that answer again, that would be great. I said Miracle on Ice, the 1980 Olympic team, uh, ice hockey Olympic team, best one ever. Yes. Yeah, I've watched that like six times. Okay. <laughs> totally cool. Leah? I, I'm horrible. I, I'm totally forgetting the name, and it's Tom Hanks saying there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> What's the name of that movie? Uh, My favorite. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'll look it up while you go, Ruby. Really? Go ahead. <laughs> I know. How can oh, I Ruben just said it. What is it, Ruben? No, no, no. I, I almost <laughs> said the wrong one, but I picture it too. I love that movie. <laughs> a League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. Yes, A League yeah, of Their Own. Yeah, yes, yeah. favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Ruben? Ruben? Well, well my, my favorite is Miracle. Same thing. I, mean, I think my favorite part of Miracle is right at the end. When uh, Coach has his private moment, he's down at the, you know, he just uh, goes to the guts of the stadium and he kind of collapses against the wall and, 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 and shakes his hands. You know, instead of the rah-rah ending you always see on these uh, movies, this was like, man, you can really see it. The guy felt it. And uh, I, 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 I tear up whenever I see that. 
that that scene. Well, I, what I loved about the movie is that it's a, it's a true story, and it also uh, shows how each of them did after that experience. But uh, Andrea, today, mm-hmm. go ahead, tell me your favorite inspirational sports movie. Mine probably Rudy. I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to go with Hoosiers, and and I'll cheat and say Rudy too. Okay, so let's go to the next one, Andrea. Uh, so my question is, uh, if you had a superhuman power, what would it be, Sherry? Ooh, superhuman power. Um, wow. It would be to grant the belief in all people that they can do the things they want to do. Fantastic. And Leah? Mine's going to relate to my life. I'm going to say time travel. <laughs> Just being everywhere at once. <laughs> Awesome. And Ruben? Ruben? You know what? I would have just loved to have had a speed and power as, as far as, because uh, I was always a slowpoke. I'm all slow twitch. And boy, uh, I, I, I'd love to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So our, our next question will be uh, kind of either an Olympian that inspires you and or uh, an unsung Olympian that you get it to give a shout out to that inspired you. Sherry? Oh man, who inspires me? Um, you know, I take, I take a lot of different inspiration from different people, but, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who wrote many, many books, on um, spirituality, the power, you know, the power of intention. When I read that book, it really changed my life. Excuses be gone. Read that book. Uh, another change in my well, life. What sport so, did he play? Um, even though he's deceased. He didn't play a sport. You're um, trying to say a sport person. Man, I, you know what? It's really odd, but I don't read, read a lot of books from sports people. Well, it wasn't really a book. It was more of just who, who, who as a person well, inspired person. you as an Olympian. Well, I just been my teammate. Um, oh. So I had some incredible teammates that I really, looked, you know, they were just well, so inspirational in what they achieved. Don't be bashful. They, uh, wait shout to hear their name. To read it. Rita Clanton and Mary Phil Dwight, my two teammates who, who really showed how to overcome adversity and kept me on the positive track yeah. in really tough times. Well, Leah? Uh, I'm going to say Mary Lou Retton as a little girl. I mean, I could not do gymnastics, mm-hmm. but I just loved watching, and that just kind of gave me that Olympic fire and spirit, even though my sport wasn't in the Olympics growing up. Were, were you uh, not thinking about being an Olympian, and then when you saw that, you kind of wanted to be one? I, when I was a little girl, I can remember literally watching and on the floor trying to do different moves that I, my body doesn't do. <laughs> so I can remember just being so inspired. And then, you know, the most amazing thing when I was in college was when they said softball is going to be in Olympics for the first time ever. And there, all of a sudden, that was it. That's cool. Ruben? Well, my, my, my uh, inspiration was Scott Hamilton, but now, uh, uh, gosh, there's a friend of mine, John Register. He was ranked number ninth in the U.S. in, in hurdles. He, had a, he hit a hurdle, broke his leg, got an infection, and had the, he lost his leg below the knee. And uh, he became a Paralympian, and he ended up winning a silver in the long jump in Sydney in Paralympics. And uh, when I see somebody like that, the Paralympians just blow my mind, you know, especially for an athlete at his level, losing his leg and being able to rebound. It's just uh, that that's the kind of spirit that just uh, uh, excites me. 
Well, Don Register.com. Really Patrick. good speaker, too, so you ought to have him on the show. Okay, what's his name again? John Don Register, Register. Just like a cash register. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I challenge you to connect us so that we can get him as one of those 50 or 100 Olympians. We're going to make a key smiling book to inspire the world, and we're going to get this book done before the end of May. So let's, let's get to chopping. All right, Andrea? Well, we only have one minute left, so uh, I, okay. I do want to make sure to mention our sponsors. So we want to thank Voice America, the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Big Events USA, and Hit Check. And, uh, Ken, the last uh, 40 seconds are yours. Well, I, I guess the uh, I wanted to hear quotes from each of them, so if you can just jet a quote real quick. So go ahead, Sherry, first. Quote well, you live by. winners always find a way, losers find excuses. Leah? Uh-huh. For, me, for me, it's the verse Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God bless you. And Reuben? Patton said something that applies today. If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> well, thank you very much <laughs> for spending an hour with us and allowing us to amplify your goodness. Uh, you guys certainly are champions, and I have to just thank you for the inspiration of creating a key smiling book out of a show and the ripple effect this will have with the Olympians that weren't able to compete this year and will have to wait till next year, but having their message actually heard this year and getting new fans for being inspiration. So thank you so much for the smiles you create and inspire. And we'll be back next week. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 